This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Today is Tuesday, September 18th, 2011. We're seven days removed from September 11th, the 17th anniversary of September 11th. And I shared where I was on that day 17 years ago with you last week. I'm sure everyone under the sound of my voice remembers that day. Hey, all I can say, I don't want to get into a whole September 11th speech. All I can say is it's important that we never forget because otherwise we will end up right where we were. That's the thing about history. When you try to rewrite it or erase it, you end up exactly where you were. So never forget September 11th. Now, on yesterday, I was on Fox and Friends in the 815 hour, and we were discussing uh, originally when I got the call from Fox on Sunday, I was supposed to talk about a police officer in Fort Worth, Officer Garrett Hull, who was shot and killed last Friday, uh, and how the mainstream media doesn't cover those stories. But unfortunately, on Sunday, after I got the call, there was a, uh, actually before I got the call, but it hadn't really made the news other than the local news. Uh, there was an officer in Wichita, Kansas that was shot and killed during, uh, a suspicious vehicle call. The vehicle ended up being stolen. There was a struggle between the police officer and the suspect. The suspect got his gun, shot him. Uh, the officer was able to return fire, I assume, but nope, correction. There was not a struggle between the officer and the suspect uh, regarding the gun. The the suspect had a gun with him. He was actually uh, the suspect in three robberies that had occurred that day, one where a gun was stolen. So we assume that's the gun he used. But anyway, Fox and Friends had me on yesterday, 15. And, uh, you know, one of the things I I said to Steve, you know, the typical talking points, how nothing is routine in policing. This was a Sunday afternoon. But then I took a huge jab at Nike. And if you want to see the full segment of my Fox and Friends interview, it's on my website uh, at Vincent Hill TV, www.vincenthilltv. I, I believe it's on my Twitter as well, at Vincent Hill TV. But I took a huge jab at Nike. And it went a little something like this. I said, you know, there's a shoe company. You may have heard of them. It's called Nike, who came out with a campaign that says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And I said, hey, police in this country sacrifice everything every single day. Their families sacrifice everything every single day. And I said, and while this officer was out doing his job, sacrificing, there was someone on a football field in the NFL who was kneeling during the national anthem. And I said, now who's kneeling for this officer? Well, you know, I I got some really positive feedback from that appearance. You know, usually when I'm on Fox, my Twitter 
uh, blows up. I get a lot of new followers or people that will message me and say, hey, um, you know, great job. We appreciate your commentary. Of course, I always get the whole Uncle Tom scenario as well. I got a few of those yesterday. But apparently Fox um, thought my interview was, was, I guess you could say, decent because they actually put it on Fox News Insider and they tweeted it out. So, of course, you know, however many thousands of people have seen it there. So I would urge you to go on and uh, watch that segment. Again, it's on my website, VincentHillTV.com, and it's Fox and Friends from September 17, 2018. And I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, one of the things that uh, I said was tragic in this situation was, you know, the officer in uh, Fort Worth, Texas that was killed was killed by some robbery suspects. One was shot and killed by police. Two were arrested, but they were all black. And I said, listen, I checked the mainstream media websites. I watched, you know, the mainstream media. I'm not going to name any names, but they have three letters, mostly in their uh, call sign that I didn't see not one sentence about that officer's death. Now, Had the shoe been on the other foot, and this is where I got the Uncle Tom statements, trust me, had the shoe been on the the other foot and this white police officer had shot and killed one of those black suspects because he was doing his job, he was protecting and serving, he was forced to use deadly force, it would be all over the news, it would be all over the mainstream media, but yet because it was a white officer killed in the line of duty by a black suspect. It doesn't fit the narrative. And what really doesn't fit the narrative, think about this. In 2017, the number of whites killed by police doubled the number of blacks. If my memory serves me correctly, it was about 454 whites killed by police, 252 blacks killed by police. Now, in that 454, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would say 99.2% of those whites killed by police were killed by white police officers. So, if you have a narrative that says, oh, it only happens here, if you're black or brown and it only happens if the officer's white, therefore it must be racial, then it's no wonder that Nike goes out and they come up with this guy who depicts pig as as cops on his sock to say, oh, well, shoot, man, believe in something because you kneel at the national anthem, even if you have to sacrifice everything even though your career had tanked and you knew your career was over, but that's a different story. So if you're only hearing this one-sided agenda, then it's no wonder people are so brainwashed to believing what they believe. Because I assure you, those 454 whites that were killed by white police officers, I assure you their family's not saying, oh man, this was racist. This is a disparity. You don't hear Obama talking about it. You don't hear Hillary Clinton talking about it. You don't hear the mainstream media talking about it because it doesn't fit the narrative. So 
if you have white police officers killing white individuals, suspects, subjects, whatever you want to call it, if you have that going on, then what do you call it? How do you report on it? Oh, I know how you report on it. You just don't. So you can continue to push your narrative to a certain community because you know you need to take back the House, the Senate, and, of course, the White House, the 2020 election. That's what all of this is about right now. Because if it wasn't about that and and the reporting was fair, you would hear stories like this. And these are all true stories. So since the mainstream media won't do these headlines, let me do a few headlines for you. California deputy killed by gunfire. Second deputy wounded. That's from yesterday at 9 p.m. I bet you didn't see that in the mainstream media. Sheriff in Kentucky sustained life-changing injuries in a rest stop shooting yesterday at 5.56. You didn't hear that in the mainstream media. Hmm. Kentucky trooper dragged by vehicle. You didn't hear that one yesterday. Oops, here's another one. Georgia police chief killed during pursuit. You didn't hear about that one. Nope. Nor did you hear about Officer Garrett Hall in Fort Worth, Texas, because it didn't fit the narrative of the left. Now, anybody that doesn't believe that everything that's going on right now when you watch the media, and it's so blatantly obvious, everything that's going on right now is to get votes because what else would it be about? Why are you catering your entire programming around just a certain demographic? Because that is not the entire demographic of the U.S. that watches these stories or that buys into these stories that you see on the mainstream media. And, you know, the left has been so anti-police since the Obama administration. And now you have all of these politicians who are running for office saying, "Ooh, we should abolish ICE, you know, Immigration Customs Enforcement. We should abolish ICE because they're terrorists. They're thugs. They're just like ISIS. This is what they're saying. And people on the left are buying into it. But the problem is the people on the left don't realize these liberals don't care about border security and, well, correction. They don't care about, oh, you can come here. We have open borders. We'll welcome you with open arms. We love you. We'll give you housing. We'll pay for it, too. We'll raise everyone else's taxes, but you can live here for free. You can have free health care. You can have this. You can have that. Yeah, that sounds all well and good if you buy into that. But if you read between the lines, what it basically says is we need votes because we got our asses handed to us in the 2016 election. So what we can do is we can make the people I'm noticing a pattern here because there is a guy named Barack Obama who did the same thing. 
we can make the people that are here to enforce laws that affect you because you may be breaking said law, i.e. coming across the border illegally, we could say they're the bad guys and they should not be here. Therefore, we support you because you're the victim of racism. You're the victim of the Trump campaign. You're the victim. So we can do away with them. But while we do that, we need just one thing from you. We need your vote. Hmm. We need your vote. Nothing has really changed since Obama using these scare tactics in the black community about police. If I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon Martin. The world should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. What those police did was stupid and uncalled for. I'm the black president and I love the black community. Well, you really didn't do shit for the black community. Excuse my French, because there's still 700 people in your city dying every year. But that's neither here nor there. So you got all of these politicians saying, let's abolish ICE. They're the bad guy. Open borders. Welcome everyone. Well, while you're watching CNN and all of these other mainstream media that are preaching this agenda, here's a story you didn't see on CNN. And it's from three days ago. And it's directly from the Immigration and Customs Enforcement website. Indictment targeting massive international cocaine conspiracy unsealed with arrival in the U.S. of extradited Colombian kingpin. Wait a minute. There's a Colombian kingpin that was extradited to the U.S.? What? Sounds like there could have been a crime going on. Well, let me see. A high-level member of a global drug ring arrived in Southern California last night after being extradited from Colombia on charges that he conspired to transport cocaine worth hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars from South America to Mexico. You know, that place where people say, oh, we don't need a wall, open borders. We love everybody for eventual, eventual sale in the United States. So the drugs from South America to Mexico, you know, which borders Texas and Arizona and California, you know, the places where we're trying to put a wall up to prevent said crimes. But, you know, everyone's racist. They were bringing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of drugs to Mexico to come into the United States. Now, then what would the left say? Oh, well, uh, oh, I know what they would say because in San Francisco, because I talked about this on Fox as well, oh, we don't want to stop drug use. We'll encourage it, so we'll build a safe injection site for people who are on heroin to come and inject. Yo, just come here. We'll give you free needles, which, i.e., the taxpayer will have to pay for. We'll give you a clean, safe place. You'll have cable TV to watch while you're getting high. There's a clean bathroom here. Hell, we'll order some Starbucks while you're getting high. Does this logic even make sense to you that, oh, let's abolish ICE and 
you know, everything will be just fine as long as we get your vote. We'll get you in here. We'll give you free housing, free medical. We'll take care of your kids. We'll send your kids to school, free medical. And then what that does to the average American who's standing by and watching this, whether they realize it or not, is saying, wait a minute. I was born and raised in this country. My last name is Johnson. My last name is Williams. My last name is Thomas. And I'm pushed to the bottom of the barrel because you want to have open borders and all of this stuff and free housing and free medical for illegal immigration just so you can get the votes to get into the office? Huh. Well, you see how certain tactics from the left worked in 2016. Guess what? It backfired. And I got a feeling it's going to backfire again in their face. But right now, though, the left thinks they have scored a touchdown by saying, hey, let's abolish ice. Speaking of touchdown, football is back in season. You may be looking for seats. We'll go to our friends over at Vivid Seats, an online ticket marketplace that will give you the experience of a lifetime. Listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. It helps you find the seats that you're looking for for your favorite events, such as sports, concerts, theater, and so much more. It offers great pricing and easy purchasing experience. With the podcast code INFLUENCE, listeners can receive 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. Hey, go to the App Store or even Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter that promo code INFLUENCE to receive your 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by, get this, a 100% guarantee. Vivid Seats. Go check them out. Maybe I should have checked them out this past Sunday when the Falcons put a whooping on the Panthers here in Atlanta. But I didn't have seats. I watched it from home. But I want to switch gears. I want to talk Chicago here for just a bit. Of course, uh, Officer Jason Van Dyke, I guess I should say former officer Jason Van Dyke, is on trial right now for the murder, the 2014 murder of Laquan McDonald. You may remember this. Uh, Laquan was um, walking down the street armed with a knife and uh, Jason Van Dyke shot him 16 times. Uh, so I believe it's day three of uh, the trial right now. We've been covering uh, covering it on the Law and Crime Network. Actually, this morning I was on. I wasn't anchoring. I was actually there as, as a guest talking about police tactics. And some of the testimony yesterday from the officers that were there on the scene, uh, they testified that there, they didn't perceive Laquan as a threat and you know based on the dash cam footage it doesn't appear that he was uh approaching jason van dyke in a threatening manner although he wrote that in his report and if that's what he wrote in his report uh and i've seen the report and it it, it basically does say that laquan charged at him in a threatening manner um you know I, i definitely cannot justify his lies um you know, but what what this will come down to um, is the fact of what that officer believed to be reasonable at that time. Now, those other officers that were there, they were from a different vantage point. There's so many things that can go into this. It's just like witness statements. One witness will say it was a red car. One will say it was a green car. 
One will say it was a brown car. One will say it was a spaceship, right? Because everyone's perception is different. Um, but Van Dyke was originally charged with six counts of murder. I believe they dropped it down to two, 16 counts of aggravated assault. That's one per round that was fired into Laquan and, uh, another charge. I can't remember offhand. Of course, I'm following the trial, uh, pretty heavily. Um, and you know, if you haven't had a chance, go watch the video for yourself, make your own assumption. You know, I always say, even like I said on uh, Law and Crime today, I'm always 50-50 with these cases simply because I've lived that life. I know what it's like to be dealing with an armed suspect. I know what it's like to have to make a split-second decision. I never want to quarterback the officer's decision because I wasn't there. Um, But I think it'll come down to what that jury believes was Van Dyke's actions on that night reasonable um you know of course race plays a factor into this because van dyke is white and uh, laquan mcdonald was black and the anchor today on law and crime asked me do i believe it was racially motivated and i said i don't even want to play that card i said i've said this a thousand times and i'll say it here on law and crime it's not color that brings police it's crime and i said and police were called to the scene because Laquan McDonald had attempted to stab an individual after he got caught trying to break into his truck. So, you know, police didn't just drive down the street looking for Laquan McDonald on that night. It was Laquan McDonald that brought those police officers to the scene. So I definitely don't want to play the race card in this trial. But on the flip side of that, this entire trial in the court of public opinion is about race. And of course, The city of Chicago is already making preparations for riots and protests if this officer is found not guilty, Uh, because, of course, that city probably will go up in flames uh, because of it. I think Chicago in itself has a a much bigger issue with the gun violence that it sees uh, on a daily basis. And, you know, I, I live by that philosophy. You're nobody until somebody kills you. Typically, you're nobody until a police officer kills you, especially in the the uh, city of Chicago. Now, I, I, I don't say that to take anything away from Laquan McDonald at all. But what I am saying is people are dying in the streets of Chicago every day. And it doesn't seem to make a hill of beans. But if this officer is acquitted of these charges, you rest assured the city of Chicago will burn They're already threatening it, and there's not enough police officers there anyway to control the streets on a daily basis to prevent the 700 uh, murders that happened this year or the 213 shootings that happened this year. So can you imagine what will happen to that city if this officer, Officer James, or maybe Jason, I think it's James Van Dyke, is found not guilty in the murder of Laquan McDonald. But again, don't take my word for it. You know, go watch the video for yourself. You know, make your own determination of what you think happened there or how you would react in that situation. But I will caution to say, unless you've been in that situation, 
You don't know how you would react. And I would even caution it this way. Even if you've been in that situation, you don't know how you would react because I've been in those split second squeeze your butt cheek situations where the same thing has happened in a different call and I didn't react the same way because of the circumstances. So whether you've been in the situation or you haven't, you can't say how you would react. But hey, it's up to a jury for them to decide. Uh, One of the things that they kept driving home the prosecution, and I talked about it uh, today on Law and Crime, was, well, he reloaded his gun. Well, officers are trained and they're trained so much that things are muscle memory. So any officer will tell you if your weapon is empty, the very first thing you do is reload because there could be threats to the right, to the left, in front of you, behind you. So you never want to have an empty weapon on your person because what good does an empty gun do besides you being able to throw it at someone? But the prosecution kept uh, driving the fact home that he reloaded his gun, i.e. to to assume that he was going to fire more shots, but it was another officer that kicked the knife away. Well, I would argue that he reloaded his gun because he realized his gun was empty, and that's what his training tells him to do. That's what his muscle memory tells you to do. So the one thing I would say about these trials um especially when dealing with police, I wish they had more, well, in some of them they do, but I wish they had more people there to explain why. And who knows, maybe when as this trial goes along, they will have a use of force expert take the stand, and I'm sure that will be a prosecution by, a question by the prosecution. Like, hey, wh- why do you think he re- reloaded his gun? Was he going to shoot him again? And I'm sure that use of force expert will say, no, that's how police officers are trained to reload their empty weapon because they don't want to be caught in a gunfight with no bullets. So uh, I'm watching that really carefully. Again, that's uh, in Chicago. Officer Van Dyke on trial right now for murder, 16 counts of aggravated assault in the death of Laquan McDonald. Keep in mind, this is the dash cam video that Mayor Rahm Emanuel hid from the public for a couple of years. I think this video came out in 2016 and the shooting was in 2014. Um, So, you know, I don't know why he would conceal this video, but, you know, looking at what I've read on the affidavits, mm, the story that was told in the, the police reports didn't match up with what the dash cam footage said and maybe Rahm Emanuel was trying to prevent I don't know a riot or whatever but I mean you know if if the truth is it was unjustified let the truth be the truth if it was justified let the truth be the truth and everyone that listens to this podcast knows that I'm very pro-police that's why hence it's called beyond the badge hence I'm a former police officer but the truth is the truth, and what's not the truth is not the truth. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I expect that trial. We're expecting it to go at least three weeks in Chicago, um, which will be sometime in October when it's over. Um, so, you know, we can wait and see. I remember a few years ago uh, with uh, Michael Brown 
And we saw what happened there in Ferguson after that acquittal came with Officer Wilson. Much different circumstances, though. Um, you know, the, the evidence, even though the G- DOJ was directed by Obama to go in and Loretta Lynch to investigate, and they did find that Michael Brown uh, posed a threat to that officer because he was attempting to fight him in the car. His DNA was there. His blood was in the car, which suggests what the officer said. But even with all of that, even though the evidence cleared the officer, we saw what happened in Ferguson. So, you know, if you live in the city of Chicago and uh, you're there on verdict day, you may want to have an escape route just in case. That's all I'm saying. I would not envy anybody that lives in Chicago on the day of that verdict if Van Dyke is acquitted. All right, we are about out of time already. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I want to thank you, as always, for listening. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate, heck, I appreciate Fox News because they always plug this podcast Every time I'm on, that's that's great. I appreciate them for always doing that. They don't have to, but they do it. But, of course, uh, it's time for my 10-7 segment, and I want to spotlight Deputy Sheriff Robert Kunze. He's actually one of the officers I talked about on Fox & Friends on yesterday that was killed Sunday. Again, while some Seattle Seahawks players stayed in the locker room because they didn't want to come out for the national anthem, this guy was actually fighting for his life in a ditch, and he didn't make it out of that ditch. But Deputy Sheriff Robert Kunze was with the Sedgwick County Sheriff's Office in Kansas. End of watch, Sunday, September 16, 2018. Robert Kunze was shot and killed while investigating a suspicious person call in a rural area near the intersection of North 295th Street West and West 21st Street North. He arrived at the scene and made contact with the male subject in a stolen vehicle. During the encounter, he and the subject exchanged shots and both were fatally shot. Deputy Kuntzi's backup officer arrived at the scene and located Deputy Kuntzi suffering from a gunshot wound. Deputy Kuntzi had served with the Sedgwick County Sheriff's Office for 12 years, and he had previously served with the Shawnee County Sheriff's Office for six years. He is survived by his wife and child. Believe in something, even if you have to sacrifice everything. His wife, his child, they sacrifice their loved one and his love for the protection of his community. I want to thank you for listening. As always, I'll see you next week. Same time, same place, right here. RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the original member of the NWO and 
WWE Hall of Famer Scott Hall. I was really happy that Larry Zabisco was there, and I have a long history with Larry, and he really helped me in my AWA days when he was a big star and I was nobody. Because Eric would have had me come down the aisle with ring music because that's just the way things were done. And Zabisco was like, no, no, he can't come through the crowd. He doesn't work here. You know, he has to come through the audience and interrupt a match, but not beat the guys up. Just walk in the ring, grab the match where the guys go, what a dick, Scott. What are you doing, man? You know, like where it looked real. I mean, it went to the point where for a lot of time, people who still work for the company weren't sure that we didn't get paid by Vince. I mean, it was really a cool time in wrestling business because at that time, everything had gotten really cartoony in the WWE. WCW was lagging behind, but that time they were fixing to go with a big Mortal Kombat video game kind of thing. They were going to push Glazier and all these Mortis and all these different characters they'd created after video games, which was so, so far in the fantasy realm. Then we came in with this real angle like, no, where the big boys play, huh? You know, because WCW always took an aggressive stance. Anytime a performer left WCW, went to WWE, they would show Sting beating the guy on TV and go, where the big boys play. You know, like, it was just so silly that it was. It seemed only natural that Vince would finally have a response. Like, okay, this is where they play. I'm sending two of my guys down to crush your company. Because no one had ever left Vince on top before, too. Everybody got recycled down. Then they left and went to WCW. Kev and I were the first ones to leave on top. So it was all groundbreaking stuff. And I find it really flattering that people care so much that here we are 20-something years later still talking about it. Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 